Let's turn to Philippians chapter 2. We are having a series in Philippians, and uh, this is a book that is designed and was written to be encouragement to the original readers and to us today as well. Uh, I've given the title of it, uh, the theme of it to be Unity and Joy Through Having the Mind of Christ. Uh, that's the major exhortation uh, in the book. In fact, it's in chapter 2, verse 5. Let this mind be in you, or this attitude, which is also in Christ Jesus. And uh, we said that joy is the, the big theme of the book as well. Well, how do we have joy in our lives when we allow the mind of Christ to be our mind, uh, the attitude of Christ? Remember, he uh, came as the humble servant of the Father in heaven. And he willingly went to the cross for us. And we're looking at this section in chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. I, I think there are three key verses in the book. The first one, of course, we just mentioned. Let this attitude be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And remember now, when you're thinking of that verse, there's two things that should come to mind when you think of having the mind of Christ. One is selfless humility. God wants us to be humble before him. We have to be real careful. Pride was the original sin of Satan. You know, he desired to be like the Most High. He desired to literally usurp the throne of God, uh, Lucifer that is, and became Satan. So we need to have a selfless humility and a servant spirit. That's the key to joy in our lives. I think the second key verse in the book is in uh, 121 where the apostle wrote and he said, For me to live is Christ. My life is centered into the person of Jesus Christ. And to die is gain. And I love to use that verse at a funeral service. Because when a Christian dies, wow, it's not a loss. It's a loss for loved ones who are still left behind. And, and they have to adjust and ask the Lord for grace and strength. But for the believer who dies, to be absent from the body is to be... And that's why Paul could say to die is gain. And we like to talk about these gains that we have. When we die as believers, no matter when it is, we have gain in heaven. And I think the third key verse is 4-4 where the apostle says rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. And uh, sometimes uh, people will say, boy, you know, I know it's there, but it's really hard for me to rejoice in this set of circumstances. And yet we can have inner joy even though the problems of life seem to be many or seem to be weighing down upon us. The Apostle Paul, when he wrote Philippians, was in prison for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. But he understood uh, the exhortation even from uh, Nehemiah in the Old Testament, Nehemiah 8.10, where um, he mentions, The joy of the Lord is your strength. So if you find yourself kind of starting to lack joy, you know, we go to the Lord and the Bible says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. You know, I keep thinking of that verse um, last week, I, th for the whole week, the whole week, um, <clears throat> if you lack wisdom, ask of God. And then in the book of James, it says, and I know you've seen this verse, I think it's four or five, chapter four or five, you have not because you ask not. And uh, the, that's why the Lord wants us to pray. We need to pray. We need to give our concerns to the Lord. And uh, we don't want to be in the condition of having not something because we don't pray about it. 
and ask him. The Apostle James said, uh, we have not because we ask not. We need to be asking the Lord for the things that really concern us. Now, again, uh, John read through that passage for us this morning. And uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful portion of Scripture, an encouraging portion of Scripture. But, you know, there's a sense in which many people today, when they think of Jesus, they think only of his suffering and death, his past humiliation. And, by the way, by the way he was humiliated uh, by um, others uh, who, who rejected him. But... Um, we don't want to only concentrate on the suffering and death of Christ. This morning we're going to touch on um, realizing that we need to focus on the glorious exaltation of Christ. And this comes in verses 9 through 11. You'll notice the phrase in verse 9, Therefore God has highly exalted him. And we're going to talk about uh, what does that mean, that uh, the Savior who went to the cross for us suffered and died and rose again. Uh, what does it mean that he's been highly exalted? Well, we're going to touch on that. I think it will be encouragement to you. I really do. Uh, Lord Jesus Christ, of course, um, after his death and third, on the third day, he rose from the dead. And uh, he spent 40 days living his life in open visibility to assure people that he had, in fact, conquered sin and death. So when we think of the the crucifixion of Christ, we always want to kind of tie right in with it the fact that he rose from the dead uh, and was victorious over sin and death. He conquered sin and death. And then, of course, you remember his final words in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, where he said, You shall receive power. After that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, and to the othermost part of the earth. And when he had said these things, and uh, this is going to be a focus this morning, when he had said these things, the disciples were watching the Lord, they were listening to what he said, and he ascended up into heaven. Boy, absolutely amazing. No one else has done that quite like that. Uh, well, you might say, well, what about Elijah? And what about Enoch? Yeah, they did. They did as well. But here we have the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. And the disciples are there listening to him. And then he ascended up. In fact, it says, as they looked steadfastly, Acts chapter 1, towards heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you have seen him go. And we are among those who are looking for the return of Christ. And uh, that return of Christ we call the rapture of the church. And uh, you might be amazed how many people are not hearing about the rapture of the church. Um, well, you say, well, why would that be? Well, because some people say, well, it's somewhat controversial. And people argue over uh, when it will happen. But the Bible is very clear that it could happen at any moment, right? It could happen today. And uh, we, we want to be ready. If the Lord calls us home, it's a great truth. Remember, the angel said that same Jesus that you saw go up into heaven will so come in like manner. And, of course, First Thessalonians 4 says uh, he'll come in the clouds and a, the dead in Christ will be raised first. And then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So we are looking for the return of Jesus Christ. 
And um, that could be a good channel of witness for you. Um, Someone might say to you, well, what, what, do you, what do you mean about the return of Christ? Well, you say, well, in 1 Thessalonians 4 in the Bible, it says that Christ is coming back again in the clouds of heaven. And a whole generation of believers will be raised up uh, to be with him in glory. You know, one of the amazing things I think about is the fact that when we together go through the Gospels and go through the New Testament, and we see what is said about the Lord Jesus Christ it's sad that there are multitudes of people who do not know who Jesus Christ is. Um, I still remember last year at the Western Days in town, uh, a uh, middle school young lady stepped up and we had our power beads and we started talking about the red bead which stands for the blood of Christ. And I said, you know who Jesus is, right? And she said, no, I don't. She did not know who Jesus is. And uh, what a wonderful opportunity to share with her. He's the one who left the glories of heaven, came down for, for, uh, for here for us. But there are multitudes of groups uh, like the Baha'i group. They say Jesus was a great man, but he was not God. Wrong. And they also teach only his spirit was raised from the dead, not his bodily. Please keep in mind the resurrection of Jesus Christ was a bodily resurrection. He had a resurrection body, and he said that someday we will have resurrection bodies in glory. Then there's a group called Jehovah's Witness, and uh, they say Jesus did not rise physically, but rose spiritually. In fact, they say he returned to earth in 1914. That's what the group teaches. Mormons, they believe Jesus is uh, literally now in heaven and has many wives. You see why we cannot understand where these kind of things come from and why people would believe these things when they have the word of God to give us the answer. Muslims are taught that Jesus did not die on the cross. And when you ask him, well, who died on the cross? Somebody who looked like Jesus. And they claim that Jesus was taken up into heaven. They claim that Jesus is not God the Son. He's a prophet. And yes, he's a prophet, but he's God the Son. So uh, this is why we go to passages like Romans 1.18 where Jesus himself said, I am he who lives and was dead and behold I am alive forevermore. I have the keys of death and of Hades. He's in authority uh, over all things as we shall see in just a moment. Now again our subject this morning for just a few minutes together is the exaltation of Jesus Christ. And you find that key verse in 2.9, therefore God has highly exalted him. So yes, we need to constantly keep in mind uh, uh, his suffering and his death on our behalf. But we need to keep in mind his resurrection and the fact that right now he is exalted at the throne of God in heaven. Once in a while somebody will uh, mention to you about the fact that, well, Jesus was dishonored by some speech, by some uh, cursing or some type of communication. Uh, and, And this can happen. People take the Lord's name in vain. And I I remember years ago uh, when I worked at a um, car repair shop, I was sent to pick something up at another place. And uh, it was a garage, and a man was wheeled under the car. He was under the car, and he was swearing and cursing and taking the Lord's name in vain. And I said, Lord, you know, what do you want me to say? And uh, 
I just simply, Lord, placed on my mind to say to him, my friend, that, that one that you're using, his name in vain, is the one who went to the cross for you. And he immediately got quiet. He immediately stopped swearing. But I was just young, junior high, maybe first year of high school. I'll never forget it. Boy, and there's a reason why it bothers you and me when we hear the Lord's name blaspheme. Even the psalmist said in Psalm 69, verse 9, the reproaches of those who reproach you have fallen on me. And the psalmist David said, it hurts me when I hear someone blaspheme your name. It hurts me when I hear someone say something against you as God, the uh, creator of the heavens and the earth. Uh, nothing in history could possibly match the scorn and disrespect that sinful, rebellious men have heaped upon the Son of God. And uh, please keep this in mind again. It will bother you when you hear someone take the Lord's name in vain. However, we go to uh, Philippians chapter 2 and we look at verses 9 through 11 and we see the exaltation of the Lord Jesus Christ. No other passage of scripture really summarizes like Ephesians 2 does the uh, condescension and the exaltation of the Lord Jesus Christ. The writer of Hebrews said, you know, Jesus did willingly go to the cross and he stated this way. Because of the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and then sat down at the right hand of the Father in heaven. Now, that's his exaltation. We'll be talking about that. But he endured the cross, and there was joy that he was willing to be the sacrifice for our sins. And do you know what that joy is? That joy is you who are here this morning. You who trust Jesus as your Savior. That, that provided joy for him, knowing that he would suffer and die on the cross. But there would be people all the way up to this year, um, 2019, uh, who would accept Jesus as Savior. He could look ahead in time and see many people having their sins forgiven and having a home in heaven. How awesome that is. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Um, have the mind of Christ, which is selfless humility and being a willing servant. Now, the central truth of this passage, in fact, of the entire New Testament, is, is focused on the exalted, sovereign lordship of Jesus Christ. I still remember when I first came to Dallas... I went over to a church that Don knows real well. He was Don's pastor a number of years ago. Um, it was Reinhardt Bible Church on Garland Road. Okay, So I stepped into the church, and there was a man standing in the foyer there. And uh, it's funny how he struck up the conversation, but he said, uh, you probably wonder why I'm here. I wasn't wondering why he was there. <laughs> he said, I have come to this church. Because it's the only church that I've ever gone to. This is interesting. It really is. And he's, he's saying this to me. I'm a stranger to him. He says, I'm going to this church because it's the only church that has taught me that Jesus Christ is not only my Savior, but he is also to be the Lord of my life. And he said, boy, he said, since I learned that Jesus Christ is Lord and sovereign over all things, 
I have literally turned my life over to him. Yes, I was saved, he said, but I turned my life over to him and say, Lord, I know you're in charge, and daily I want to seek your blessing. Very interesting, very interesting. This section of scripture, in fact, chapter 1, verse 1, it says, Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus Christ. They were willing to be serving the Lord. And at the end of verse 11, it says that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You see, there's the Lordship of Christ. The, this, your God and your Savior exists in three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And the one who's watching over your life. Uh, the one who has authority over us is the Lord Jesus Christ. And, of course, he said to his disciples, uh, all authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And that's in relationship to his exaltation. He has the authority. You perhaps remember that account in the Gospels where um, Jesus, I, I can use this word, scandalized his, uh, his uh, listeners by pronouncing the sins of paralyzed man forgiven. Uh, This paralyzed man came to Jesus, and Jesus saw him and said, your sins are forgiven. And all the religious leaders who didn't believe in Christ said, he's blaspheming. He can't forgive sins. By the way, yes, he did, and yes, he does today. We who have had our sins forgiven have had our sins forgiven by the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said to the man, uh, to the listeners rather so that you may know that the son of man has power or authority on earth to forgive sins he said to the paralytic I say to you arise take up your mat and go to your house and immediately the man was uh, healed and there's the power of Jesus Christ in fact while our Lord was on earth the miracles that he did uh, showed his authority over uh, nature over sickness over sin, over demonic forces, and his power even over death. He rose from the dead. Now, when we've said this, just by way of moving towards this section of Scripture, we're saying Jesus Christ is the awesome Son of God. He is absolutely awesome. And because he is Lord, uh, he is sovereign, and he is worthy of our worship. And you know, it pleases the Lord... When you come for worship like you have come today, and you allow in your mind and thinking yourself to say, Lord, I just thank you for your great love for me. Thank you that you suffered and died for me. And yes, it is an awesome thing for me to know that you have been exalted. It says God has highly exalted him. And where is Jesus Christ today? Well, he indwells us in the person of Holy Spirit, but he's also at the right hand of the Father in heaven. How awesome is our Savior? He's our Lord. In fact, to submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ should be the desire of every believer. And I think we could say it this way, and follow me carefully. Sometimes people who lack a commitment to Christ fail to understand that he really wants to be the Lord of our lives. He's our Lord and our Master. And uh, I don't know how you refer to God when you're talking to others about God, but I use the word Lord a lot. I use it a lot. In fact, um, there's power in the name of Jesus Christ, and we're going to see this because he was given a name that is above every name. When you use the name of Jesus, kind of watch when people are listening. 
when I hand a track out, I'll hand the track out and I will say, you know, I'd like you to read this over. This is a little track. This is a little track that tells you about Jesus and how. In other words, see, people need to hear the name of the one who's sovereign over all. This is a little track and has scriptures in it. It tells you about Jesus and how he came for you and for me. How awesome. Well, Revelation chapter 5 is a section of scripture where we see a worship scene in heaven and the exalted Son of God is there and he takes the scroll from the hand of the Father and he opens it and the scroll is called by many the title deed to the universe. And so Jesus rightfully takes his place of inheritance. This earth belongs to him. Uh, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness of thereof, the world and they that dwell in it. He's the one who made all things. And in the future, after we're in glory with the Lord, there'll be judgments on the earth for seven years. And then after the seven-year judgment, Christ will rule and reign in Jerusalem for a thousand years and then on into eternity because he is Lord. He's sovereign Lord. He made all things, and he will rule over all things throughout eternity. And here's the verse I want to read in relationship to that. Just listen to it. It goes like this. Revelation 11:15. And the seventh angel announced and said, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever. Wow. Awesome. Today, if you go to China, you have to be very careful about even talking about the Lord. Other countries as well. And... Uh, the day's going to come when it's not going to be illegal anymore on this earth to name the name of Christ because he is sovereign Lord and he will take over the kingdoms of this world when he comes in the future. So we have the in this account the humble incarnate Son of God who has been exalted. And because he has been exalted, we know that our redemption is certain and our place in heaven is certain as well now I want to go with you again I do want you to look at that phrase again in verse 9 God has highly exalted him God has lifted Christ up he's the glorious eternal son of God now there are four um, steps towards his exaltation and I'm going to mention them you know these you know them real well but I'm going to mention them anyway. First of all is his resurrection. People who don't believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ don't have a risen and glorified and exalted Savior. The apostle Peter told the multitude on the day of Pentecost, this Jesus God raised up from, whom, from which we are all witnesses. You see, the disciples saw the risen Christ. After being released from prison in Jerusalem, Peter and the other apostles testified before the religious leaders who rejected Christ. And they said, The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you put to death by hanging him on a cross. Wow, that must have been something for those religious leaders to have Peter stand there and say, You put him on the cross. But God raised him up. See, God exalted him. He raised him up. And, of course, we know we were here this morning. It was our sins that put him there as well on the cross. However, he rose from the dead. 
And then secondly, he ascended up into heaven. And uh, we discussed this already a little bit, the ascension of Christ. You know, that must have been something. Uh, the angel said, well, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? Well, I would have stood there gazing up into heaven too. If you would see Jesus just literally be lifted up and go back to the Father in heaven. And he did in his body, in his resurrection body. He ascended. And that's the second part of the Father's exaltation of Jesus Christ. Uh, it's, it's amazing how the Lord said to uh, the disciples. And he said also to Mary Magdalene, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father. Go and tell my brethren and say to them, I will ascend to my Father in heaven. And again, you look at the account of Scripture in Acts 1-9. It says, after Jesus gave instructions to his disciples on the Mount of Olives, it says, while they watched, he was taken up into heaven, and a cloud received him out of their sight. The third aspect of his exaltation is called his coronation, where his authority is recognized. Jesus said to the disciples, all authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. He ascended up into heaven, stating before he actually ascended that all authority was given to him. And lastly, the fourth aspect of his exaltation is the fact that Jesus Christ is honored as the great high priest in heaven. Now, a lot of people don't understand the priesthood situation of Jesus Christ. But he uh, is at the right hand of the Father in heaven. And it says in the book of Hebrews, don't miss this, this is good. That he ever lives to make intercession for us. Now, okay, the intercessory work of Christ. What's Jesus doing today? He's in heaven. He's at the right hand of the Father. You say, well, he indwells us. He does in the person of the Holy Spirit. But he, he actually intercedes for us, it says in Romans 34 through 36. He ever lives to make intercession for us. He prays for us. Now, here's our example, real quick. The Apostle Peter, on one occasion, was um, struggling with his concerns about the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus said to Peter, Peter, Satan desires to sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you. Wow. This is awesome. People will debate and they'll argue, well, does Jesus really pray for us? And the answer is yes. If you talk to somebody about, where is Jesus today? He's in heaven. Where is, it? Where is he in heaven? At the right hand of the Father. A place of honor and exaltation. And what's he doing up there? He's praying for us. Now, I've had somebody ask me the question. It's a good question to ask. They said, well, do you think Jesus ever prayed for me? And my answer was yes. I think there's communication between the Son and the Father in heaven. And you say, but there's millions of Christians all over the world. Does that mean God, who is omniscient and omnipresent, can't see when we're in need like he saw Peter in need? So I look at that and I find encouragement because... Um, there may have been times when I was real close to stepping in the wrong direction. And there was the communication with God the Father and God the Son. And I was prevented from doing something that I shouldn't do. And that's how God watches over you and me. He, he's there. He's in glory. But he dwells us in the person of the Holy Spirit. 
And there's tremendous communication between the Father and the Son. And yes, it's very true. Jesus prays for us, you and me. And he's, he cares for us. Quickly, uh, he's been given a name that is above every name. Now, um, it's interesting to see people kind of debate what this name is. I don't have any problem with it. I look at the text of Scripture and it says, Therefore God has highly exalted him and given him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. Remember, we've already talked about the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ's name has power. He's been highly exalted four ways. Raised from the dead, ascended up into heaven, all authority has been given to him, and he is now the great high priest in the presence of the Father. How awesome. I like that where it says his name is above every name. Uh, Jesus' name is above every name because he, in his character, in his person, is above all others. His name is above every other name because of his dignity and his honor and his glory. And this is true because of what stated before that, how Jesus humbled himself, was obedient to the Father in heaven, willing to go to the cross for you and me. And after he went to the cross in obedience, it then says, God highly exalted him. How awesome. But again, the name that it's above every name. Don't be afraid to use Jesus' name. In fact, you'll find there's blessing that comes from it. There's power in the name of Jesus. In Acts chapter 3, there was a lame man uh, at the gate of the temple. And uh, Peter and John were walking by. And he was asking for money. And uh, Peter and John said, I don't have any cash on me. Now, that's a modern translation. <laughs> they said, silver and gold have I none. And here's this paralyzed man, paralyzed man who was paralyzed from uh, the day he was born. And Peter says, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And immediately he stood up. You know, healings in the Bible are instantaneous. There's a, a, there's a return of power and return of strength. And uh, there's power, again, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, of course, verse 10 says that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth. Ooh, that's saying a whole lot. Those in heaven, that would be the angels and believers that are there. On earth, that would be believers here on earth. But his name is uh, above every name, and every knee is going to bow to those on the earth and those under the earth. And that would be even demonic forces. And when Satan's bound, he's going to be down there as well. And they're all going to acknowledge that Jesus is the exalted one. He is the Lord of life. And by the way, don't forget this. This exalted one is the one that's taking care of you and me. He's watching after us. When you're driving home, he's with you. In fact, he's the one who said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. We have an awesome God and Savior. I, I remember talking to two young men who stopped by the Bible booth at the state fair. And um, this is how I handled it. I used the name of Jesus. And I said, uh, guys, you understand that uh, there are spiritual laws in our world. And the first spiritual law is that God loves us very much. But the second spiritual law is 
that we've sinned and we've disobeyed God. But the third spiritual law is that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to pay for our sins on the cross. He died in our place. And they just stood there listening. And uh, that, that was this week. They just stood there listening. And I said, you know, when we trust Jesus, when we really believe, not head knowledge, but within our hearts, within our lives, we believe that Jesus Christ came for us and paid for our sins, he does two things right away. Number one, he forgives our sins. And number two, he promises to take us to heaven. And that's good news. And, you know, one of the guys said, that is good news. I said, you know, you can trust Jesus as your Savior today. And he said, I would like to do that. Praise the Lord. He and his cousin both bowed and accepted Jesus Christ as Savior. A few questions to answer, and then we'll close in prayer. First of all, where is Jesus now? He's at the right hand of the Father in heaven. He's there meeting our needs. He's able to communicate with the Father in heaven. I am amazed how many of the truths of what the Lord does are given even in the Old Testament. In Psalm 16, I, I, if, you have, if you turn around in your Bibles, turn your Bibles around and look at this verse, Psalm 16, you will find it to be an encouragement. Psalm 16, verse 8, the psalmist said, and uh, this first part of this verse 8 reminds us that we need to, and sometimes people use the term, practice the presence of Christ. Remember that the, the, the Lord Jesus Christ is always with you. All right, let's see in the Old Testament his concept. And he says, the psalmist says, David, verse 8, 16, 8, I have set the Lord always before me, and because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad, joy, and my glory rejoices, and also my flesh shall rest in hope. For you will not leave my soul in Sheol, in the grave. You will not allow your Holy One to see corruption, for you will show me the path of life. Now watch this. This letter we keep talking about, Philippians, he talks about joy. In your presence, Lord, is the fullness of joy. And at your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. In your presence. See, when you drive home from church today, it may be you and one other or two others in the car with you. But actually, remember, the Lord's with you. And he never leaves us nor forsakes us. And even the psalmist in the Old Testament said, um, I have set the Lord always before me. And because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Our right hand. So every time you think of your right hand, you start doing something with your right hand today, remember, the Lord is there with you. That's the Old Testament concept. What is Jesus doing now? I like to say he's doing two things. In heaven, remember this now, he's watching over us. He's praying for us. And maybe praying for us when we're just about ready to fall into something we shouldn't fall into. That's the awesomeness of the exalted Christ who's in heaven. But secondly, and uh, we love this too, he's preparing a place for us. See, it's not easy. It's not easy to lose loved ones. But when they know Jesus, do it with me. It's absent from the body and present with the Lord. The exalted Lord, our exalted Savior, 
God has highly exalted him. And he gave him a name that's above every name. So try it out. And try using Jesus' name when you talk to people. Uh, it's amazing sometimes the reaction. Uh, I've had people say, oh, yeah, I know Jesus. I've accepted him as my personal Lord and Savior. Just this past week, I had several say, oh, I know Jesus. I've accepted him as my Lord and my Savior. There's power in the name of Jesus Christ. He is our Savior. He is Lord. He's watching over our lives. He is an authority over all things. And the Lord says to us, I want you to be witnesses of him and for him. Let's pray together.